Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with Amber, my friend. My friend Amber. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and this is the Road to Tarvalon, a Wheel of Time podcast. Uh, and today, Tracy is going to tell you what our topics are. I have a couple different ideas, but so many of them seem to kind of come back to gender i don't know why maybe it's just because it's like so strongly on my mind right now but i didn't know if you would like want to dive into that or something more lighthearted. or i was thinking of like favorite moments that made you say hell yeah and then that would be like a much more uplifting topic to talk about feel like all of those moments that make me say hell yeah are like the standard ones that everyone says that to you you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean full spoilers today i'm assuming sure i mean that'll keep it nice and easy well love the cleansing of sidene that's a great one what do you like about it it's just kind of like this it's very fantasy tropey where it's kind of like a lot of people that maybe shouldn't be there together but somehow are find themselves in this group together and it's not just the Emmonsfield folk it's not just Aes Sedai it's this kind of weird culmination of Rand, Nynaeve, we've got Cad Swain, we've got some of the Black Tower guys even, mm-hmm. and kind of how it's taking place from multiple points of view, where yes. it's hopping around quite a bit, Yeah, and it's not just like, I don't know, like from Rand's point of view or Nynaeve's point of view, because how boring is that? They're just like... Every time it switches to them, they're just like sitting there, you know, trying. Well, no, no, no. They're trying not to burn out. And Mm -hmm. it is pretty cool because we get Rand's take on what the female half feels like Mm. and Nynaeve's take on what the male half feels like. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of nicely done. And of course, there's hardships, you know, some characters that are really good characters don't make it out of there. And we even get points of view from the Forsaken. So it's just a really nice, like, solid chapter. Mm -hmm. I was actually going to say, with you talking about the multiple point of views, I think one of the ones I like so much in that scene happens between one of the Aes Sedai and her warders. And I wish I was better at remembering names, but there are so many names. And... Like, I, I feel like there's a moment where her warder is... And he's he's from the Black Tower. So he's one of the the men who can channel. And I think he, like, puts her his head on her 
knee and she's like stroking his hair and I think one or the other maybe both didn't make it out okay and by out okay I mean I think they died (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, that definitely is the definition of not making it out okay but what I liked is that in that moment of tenderness you have an example of the water bond that I don't I don't know how often we see one quite like that. Well, I know between Andrew and Pavara, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of moments where uh, the moment after the lava gateway, he just mm. keels over out of exhaustion and she's there to like soften his fall before he hits the ground. And, you know, she's just kind of like, there for him in that way Mm -hmm. but it's nice it's nice especially when so often I don't want to say so often but sometimes the bond is troublesome for lack of a better word Mm. I mean there's bonded pairs or groups even where it's just frankly problematic i'm looking at you alana (laughs) step down woman (laughs) i really i i loathe alana i just i don't i also i'm not sure too because i always like on my first read through i was really suspicious of varen and i thought that maybe varen egged her along you know Mm mm-hmm and for it was for a good reason, but still doing it was an atrocity, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think Varen needed someone to have eyes on Rand at all times. Mm-hmm. So what better thing could you do than have someone who's able to track him? And Alana is such a broken woman mm-hmm. at this point that she's manipulated. Like she's e- easily manipulated is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I'm I'm thinking about how Alana becomes that broken woman while she's in the two rivers and she loses one of her her warders and it was from a trollic attack, wasn't it? I don't remember, but I know that she does lose one of them. Yeah, cuz I was thinking like if if it was one whatever of- one is not Ivan, I think. I think it's Tomas, not Yvonne. Tomas is is Varen's warder. I I always do that. I always do that. In the TV show, Alana's warders are Maxim and Ivan or Yvonne. Mm -hmm. But I don't think Maxim is her book warder's name. The point that I was kind of thinking of is that you know there's a layer deeper you could kind of go with conspiracy thinking if like Varen was aware of a potential trollic attack because she's a dark friend and she kind of leads Alana through knowing her as a personality being kind of like this overly confident green with her two warders and taking her into like a dangerous place and the worst of the worst that could happen to an Aes Sedai, pretty much besides dying herself, is losing a warder. And so, like, 
perhaps this was just another like push from Varen, like take out one of the warders, whatever it takes. Like just one doesn't matter. She has two. Just grab one. And then using that manipulation, that brokenness to push her in that direction, however she kind of wants without making her an ally. And it's really an yeah, interesting. I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not like of the theory that Varen is responsible for the death of Alana's warder. Mm-hmm. I think it just happened and Varen made the best out of it mm-hmm. yeah. to benefit herself. And not so much too like here's the thing where it gets tricky and philosophical is is it to benefit herself or is it to benefit her idea of what the light needs to win? Mm-hmm. And if she sees herself as a staunch defender of the light, which in a matter she like in a way she really is, but as she said, she's created she's done atrocities to be where she's at Mm -hmm. and if this was one thing where she thinks okay well if I have eyes on Rand and I have someone that can track him for me and I know where he's at at all times Mm -hmm. like at least in a general vicinity like which way to go to find him this is good right this is for the side of the light this is for the good guys and if she sees herself as one of the good guys then she can defend that decision that she makes Mm -hmm. but it's not a good one Mm -hmm. I mean we so often I mean not even so often but it's akin to rape like Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. bonding of someone against their will Mm -hmm. so it's really an atrocity it's something that I really 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 didn't like while I was reading and it also made me just amp up that level of distrust and even loathing towards Varen mm. on my first read through. Mm-hmm. And I really, I mean, I really didn't, you know, I did not like her at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Mm-hmm. But I mean, not every character needs to be moral to be a good character. Mm-hmm. I just thought that she was scandalous and I didn't like her. One bit. Didn't trust her one bit. <laughs> Not as far as I could throw her. And we all know how weak my hands are. <laughs> Especially, too, like when you see the complications that it brings towards Rand's well-being. Mm-hmm. Because, like, this is a person who is suffering deeply and greatly. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps getting pushed further and further away from his own humanity. And this is just one of the things in that domino effect of terrible things that happen to Rand that make him this cold, cut off, emotionless person. And it's traumatic and it's sad. So boo Alana, boo Varen. So we both have a different reaction to Alana in the TV show. How do you, I mean, this is, I mean, potentially several seasons down the line, maybe not several, but like, this isn't going to happen in season two where Alana, um, force bonds Rand. But at this point, the Alana we get in the TV show is so damn likable. And I'm just thinking how people are going to react 
when this all unfolds for her? I'm torn because like on an emotional level, I don't want, like, I don't want Rand to suffer. So I'm like, oh, well, if it's, if he's okay with it, or maybe in a moment of weakness where he's like, all of my friends think I'm dead anyways, why not? Mm -hmm. You know? But that really mucks up his storyline for when he meets Elaine and Avienda. Mm -hmm. And he's just, and men, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I can't see him being okay with being bonded to this other woman mm-hmm. when he's about to bond three other women. Mm-hmm. Like, it just gets a little messy for me. But again, like, I I think it's necessary for the storyline for it to kind of, like, go down how it happens in the books and not to change that too much. But I don't know what they're going to do, Tracy. <laughs> like, they have really portrayed Alana as a very sympathetic character, and she's very charming. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, are they going to make her out to be this charming character and then kind of like pull the rug out from underneath us Mm -hmm. and be like, oh, okay, well, we don't like her anymore. Right, yeah. And (laughs) she's one of those characters where I feel you can kind of swing around on how you feel about her because as she's experiencing that loss, like if you think about her timeline in the book and like the the way that her character is being framed in the TV show, she goes off all warrior woman, gets taken down, becomes broken, in pain, not 100% herself. And she's just like, I feel as though there are times where there, it's even commented like her, her clothing is dirty, you know, which would just never be the case with Alana before. Like that's how little effort she's putting into taking care of herself but then like Mm -hmm. so you are potentially feeling sympathy for her and still kind of cheering for her to be okay and then she steps in and bonds Rand against his will and it's like I would assume by that point we would have as an audience of the tv show a clear understanding of what that means in the Westlands. I think that you still have moments where you want to be like, yes, Alana, yes, thank you. You know? Mm, maybe. I never really felt that way. Like, I never cheered her on. I disliked her and then pitied her. Oh. And that was about it. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm just thinking about, like, when she – I think she's, like, the – the one who's able to help locate Rand with one of the groups of people to rescue him from Dumai's wells. And like, there's the last battle interaction with her as well, which is almost a, a really good culmination for her storyline to be able to kind of just be like, and I'm done. My life's kind of fucked at this point anyway. I'm giving everything I've got to this last battle, this last fight and my connection to it. It just, it goes against someone's free will. I just can't ever, like, get behind it, I guess. Even if she does manage to, like, pull an ace out of her sleeve and end up helping him in the nick of time, 
it's still like, okay, just because this one good thing happened out of it still doesn't make it any more palatable. <laughs> yes. I think that's why I was trying, like, I was kind of hesitating about what I was trying to say. It was that I was like, well, that doesn't give her a pass. But it does, like, the part of me that wants to be like, you are human, you make mistakes, blah, 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 that like, wants me to be like, yeah, good job in this moment. Not so much in other moments. One of the things that you had said when we were talking about, like, when, like the cleansing of Sidene is like a favorite moment. Nynaeve and Rand being able to sense what the one power feels like for each other. Mm -hmm. Are there, like, are there very many examples of, like, men and women working together where they are able to have that sen sensation or is it just in this moment between Nynaeve and Rand where we have like a woman being able to sense what a man feels and a man being able to sense what a woman feels does that make sense it's just from what I remember it's just when they're in a circle together okay that's kind of what I was thinking yeah I can't I don't remember. There's a there's an instance in the book where I want to say it feels like was it something like being boiled a lot, like like white hot heat or something like boiling you from the inside out almost. Mm -hmm. There's just some really like graphic descriptions of like how it feels. And I don't remember if it's this one with Nynaeve, but I know at one point one of the women is just like not repulsed, mm -hmm. maybe repulsed, but also just like in like terror, you know, like sheer panic mm -hmm. at what this feels like. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just like makes your, you know, like the hair on the back of your neck stand up where you're like, oh, that sounds awful. Like that sounds really, really terrible. Mm-hmm. And then you have to realize, like, this is what every single male channeler is feeling mm -hmm. every time. Ouch. Yeah. And I mean, especially for a woman who's taught the way to, to handle the one power is through surrender. And for a man, it's all about dominating. So it's going to have a very different and I would assume startling effect on the women experiencing it. And for the men too, because when the men feel it, there's the sense of surprise mm -hmm. almost like this isn't exactly like this isn't what they expected at all. And then how it, how almost like uplifting it is and how it's just the complete opposite of what they're experiencing. So it's almost kind of like the sigh of like, wow, this is, this is amazing. And that's an, again, another instance of Andral mm -hmm. when he's in that circle with a bunch of women, mm -hmm. he's like, he's almost crying mm -hmm. and he's like, I just, I can't believe this is what it feels like for you. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's beautiful. And so, I mean, it's just, it's interesting. I think it's a really like lovely moment 
just showing like the different sides of channeling and what it means. But again, I don't know exactly like if we're going to have that same impact on the TV show unless we we're just going to have to have like really great actors. Like I could see the Loghain actor really just if he took up that spot or he's the one to eventually link up with a woman where we get it from his perspective, I think he could sell the shit out of it and just <laughs> make it this very, very emotional, wonderful scene, you know, mm-hmm. where for a woman experiencing it, like, what is she just going to do? Start screaming and like <laughs> bellowing like it's awful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like it's a lot easier to be, to show pain or to show yeah. just being scared versus like ecstasy, you know? <laughs> Snakes and Foxes says, I would say more disgust than hello, Snakes and Foxes. Hello, Snakes and Foxes. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is disgust. You're here. Interesting. I'm. Oh, maybe nausea. Yeah. Like nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, <laughs> male channeling. <laughs> this is how it goes down. This is how it feels. Well, and I mean, that was that was actually one of the things that had me kind of thinking about gender was just like. I was trying to like search out topics and stuff for us to do today. And one of them was like (laughs) the instances where wheel of time is misogynistic. And like, of course the very first one that comes out is like the gender difference between Sidar and Sidine. Well, yeah, like that's the big one, but I mean, it's, it's pretty cut and dry. You know, if you're a guy, this sucks. If you're a woman, like, cool you know like it kind of sucks in different ways for the women too like not everything about being a nice guy as we have talked about so often is like sunshine and roses and even they don't like each other very often so yeah well again like I think it comes down to like class and your like social status because if you're someone like Moraine and grew up in a castle with an Aes Sedai nearby like you're set you know you're pretty good to go the worst thing that can happen is if you go to the tower and you're really weak in the one power you get kind of treated like dirt and Mm -hmm. given grunt work so it again like it's not so much just like man versus woman it's also about like where you came for and what opportunities you had along the way I mean we see some of the women in the kin who are like terrified of Aes Sedai and they don't want to get caught and they don't want to get found out mm-hmm. and they're keeping this secret you know and yeah it's scary but again like this is just I feel like it always comes back to like power and class yeah and again like just but if you're a male channeler you're you're pretty much just screwed like for them it's 
It is what it is. <laughs> Stakes and boxes says the wheel of time, sexist and classist. Road to Tarvala in 2022. <laughs> I stand by that statement. I was just going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> but I mean, it really is. And like any story worth telling, like usually has elements of this tied in somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like there, I don't feel like there is ever like a story about a perfect utopia where, I mean, what, what type how could you make that even interesting if it was like yeah. everything is perfect to the end? That's yeah. We all got along and lived happily ever after. Really, really, right. really short story. Conflict is interesting to us. You know, the the whole right versus might or Underdog. Snakes and Foxes said, that's Rand's ending. <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel like Rand is allowed to just do whatever he wants from now on. If he wants to be a traveling fourth age <laughs> vacuum cleaner salesman slash entertainer going door to door, he can feel free to do that. I, uh, you're so much nicer good than on I you, am. Rand. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, you saved the fucking world. Go be a dad. Go go do that. Yeah. Definitely has a mustache. Oof. 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 <laughs> well, I mean. Does Rand ever have facial hair ever? Hmm. No, he doesn't. I don't think so. I feel like it would stand out if it was like Rand getting <laughs> fairly shaggy towards yeah. a certain part in the story. Yeah, it's I'm like I'm trying to picture Lord Rand, your beard, <laughs> ginger beard, so red, ginger beard. <laughs> yeah, I think there might even be like a couple scenes where like men's curled up someplace watching Rand shave. And she's like, oh, I love him so much. I'm not making fun. I totally get that. I'm more you than- are, don't lie. <laughs> uh, you know, not necessarily in a totally bad way. Min has her moments for me. Like, there are moments when I really like her, and there are moments where I'm like, what is wrong with you? I really like her when she's reading books. I just books. feel bad. I just feel bad. Men's story is just so Rand-centric. Mm-hmm. It's like, who are you, men? I want to know more about you. Mm-hmm. What are your hopes? What are your dreams? What were you doing Clearly, before like, you came working... to Bear Lawn? <laughs> yeah, like, is really indentured servitude to the Shanchen, <laughs> like, the ending that ah. men deserve? Like, what is going on with this? That is just kind of left there, isn't it? Yep. Ew. What we know about men. Yeah, Snakes and Foxes says, likes Rand, reads books, wears pants. The end. (laughs) This is exactly it. That's why I just feel bad for her character. Especially since she starts out as such, like, a fun kind of snarky oddity compared to what we're given at the beginning of the book. She's a little bit older. She's a little bit more worldly. 
She's got this weird ability to read the pattern around people. And she's learned not really to tell everybody about that because it's just gotten her in trouble in the past. Yeah, like I feel like she has a lot of promise starting out. She feels really independent and like she knows her mind, what she wants to go after. But it's like once she realizes she's like attached to Rand, she's like, well, I guess that's my thing now. And she gets kind of... Well, yeah, she she starts out as, like, this, a little bit of, like, the outlier. Yeah. And Rand's, like, group of women that care about him. She's kind of, like, the cool one who's, like, I kind of do my own thing. I have my own tricks. I like to, you know, wear pants. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of cool, like, and then she just kind of ends up, I don't know, doing whatever is needed for Rand's story to. Ugh. And how it does, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. And then <laughs> then ends up as a Sean Chan. Slave? Uh, I mean, yeah. would, would they consider... I mean, the Sean Chan kind of consider everybody that they encounter as a slave, if that's how they're feeling. So I don't see how men would be any yeah. different. Well, they're like, well, this this type of slavery is an honor. Like, you're afforded <laughs> much more as this type of slave than the other types of slaves. You should be glad. Right? You know? You get fancy clothes. No pants for you anymore, though. We take away your pants now. Yeah, I don't know her story. Eh, kind of sad. But, I mean, who doesn't have a <laughs> somewhat of a sad story? Are there any characters that are just, like, doing great? I mean, great. Hmm. Like define define great post last battle. Like I I don't know. Well, not not post not post last battle. I just mean throughout the whole entire story. Like, are there any characters that just don't have any tragedies? Like, just terrible stuff happening to them. I'm I'm thinking this could take the rest of the time we're together to think about something that doesn't have like a tragic storyline to it. Yeah, I mean, Wheel of Time, not the most uplifting it re- <laughs> story to be told. No, not at all. I mean, there are definitely moments that are like we said, like tender and kind and loving and whatnot, but the parts that kind of like hit at your heart and tear it apart are, they're a bit different. Obviously. Obviously. The other thing that I was kind of thinking about this morning was the Wheel of Time's use of societies and guilds to like create the social structure that we see. The first one, of course, that comes to mind is the Aiel. And then is it Ibu Dar that has, like, the guild system? <laughs> yeah, that's a topic that I would have to actually, like, look Research, into. Research, yeah. Instead of, like, on the fly. Talk about, yeah, same. How long do you think it took Robert Jordan to create the old tongue? I don't know, but it sounds like... So, like, 
It sounds awful, to be honest. What do you mean? Like spoken? It Creating seems- a language mm-hmm. for your books mm-hmm. and just coming up with a new language. I mean, the you couldn't pay me. Well, <laughs> yeah, <get> up. <laughs> I was just going like I was just kind of flipping through my Wheel of Time companion and that's where it opened. And I was like, wow, this is extensive, like pages. Well, since we I mean, since we are on the topic of men uh-huh. a little bit. Yeah. One of the things that I have written down is just the old talents. So like Wolf Brothers or men's abilities or these other magic systems, like what the Finn have, where it's just like, it's magic, but it's not tied to channeling. Hmm. But that's always fascinated me because they could have had it like a single magic system and that's it. But then Robert Jordan like pulled in suit, like pulled into his back pocket and was like, "Oh, what do we have here? Perhaps, yeah, communicating with animals, creatures, other interdimensional creatures that can pretty much like grant wishes, like a genie, but are also like tricky, like the Fae. We have Ogier with their seed singing." There's, if we're excluding, like, the one power, then we also have the true power, which is like like the one power, but just from the side of the dark one, which is also, like, kind of nutty. Mm-hmm. Because Padon Fane, like, he's another character that has these otherworldly, maybe not otherworldly, but outside of the realm of channeling, like, he's got this... Mashadar black what is it Mashadar not Machinshin mm-hmm. yeah Mashadar because he comes into contact with Mashadar uh-huh. so then he like kind of becomes tainted with the dark one and then the more death magic whatever you want to call it so like we have all of these kind of opposing magic forces that are just kind of out and about in this world some that are forgotten and then the most common is like channeling where if you're a channeler it's kind of just like run of the mill like oh yeah like every so many few thousand people can do this like not a huge like magnificent thing it's kind of like standard in this world nothing to be really like whoa that's different Mm -hmm. you know like, if, like even of the abilities between the three Tavirans, like, Rand's is kind of the most boring because he's mm-hmm. like, I'm a channeler. <laughs> Granted, he's extremely strong at it, but then Perrin is like, well, I can communicate with animals mm-hmm. and they can communicate with me. Mm-hmm. And Matt is just like, I have infinite luck. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, his luck isn't necessarily always for him. Mm-hmm. It's for what's needed by the pattern, but he's needed by the pattern, so, like, his luck tends to favor himself. That's a good point. That's a good point. Perrin also has, like, the ability to romp through 
Teleronriode as like what he sees as the wolf dream is do you feel like Teleronriode counts as like an old old magic or separate magic or just like some weird thing that exists separate magic yeah. yeah I'd say it's its own other magic system you don't have to be a channeler to access it mm-hmm. and normal people can access access it with maybe like one of the dream ring you know terangrial mm-hmm. so it's like other other people can use it if if they have like an item that allows them to or if you know their wolf brother wolf sister whatever which is just kind of cool because it's not just there's not just one standard magic mm-hmm. of the wheel of time and it's so easy to say the wheel of time is a book where the divide between male and female totally affects the magic system where in actuality it really doesn't because there are other magics that are that don't take into account for your gender. Mm, that's a good point. Especially like after you listing out all of these different forms available or outlets available. And like you said, channeling is the most common, but I mean, thinking it's back almost to, the least interesting. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, thinking back to like the age of legends, like they channeling was like, Oh cool. You can do that. That's, that's great. How about mm-hmm. you like use your brain to come up with something truly amazing or like your hands to craft something beautiful. Like it wasn't something to be leaned on. It wasn't really seen as anything exceptional. So like having these other places where it does feel kind of like awe-inspiring. Yeah, yeah. Where I think, like, as for me as a reader, where I kind of like, yay, like, that's cool, that's interesting, that's new. Mm-hmm. And then, too, there's, I mean, you could probably even categorize, like, the bubbles of evil as part of the magic system as well. But I don't know so much if it's just, like, magic or if it's just the magic of this world failing you know what I mean oh like like if your if your computer is programmed to do this Uh if it starts dying like you start running into problems right like things quit working like they're supposed to and it's almost like the fabric of the society starts to short out (laughs) you know yeah and it's just that's just really cool and I know that I think Robert Jordan said that the that the wheel is almost kind of like a supercomputer, like where it's calculating, like that's what Tavirinus is, where the wheel is always calculating what it needs to keep perpetuating itself, to keep going, I guess, to keep working, to keep running. And that's what the Tavirin are there for, to like facilitate that. And, like, with the bubbles of evil, it's almost like things kind of breaking down. Like, if you look at it, like, mechanically, almost. Yeah. I 
like that. Well, how about this? Let's take a break from our sponsors, who are us, and then <laughs> we will be back to talk about this some more. I love that. Momentary interruption, friends. Since we are not good at remembering to promote ourselves during the show, here's how you can keep the road to Tarvalin growing. First off, rate and review us wherever you listen to The Road to Tarvalin. This helps new listeners find the podcast. Listener support is available through Anchor. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month with amounts leading up to a generous $9.99 a month. Also, we have a new merch shop. Cozy Contorta was inspired by the books and characters we love, and it's not just Wheel of Time focused. Go check it out at Cozy Contorta on Instagram or find the link on our website via social media. Income means better equipment, more content, and more opportunities to be able to grow our amazing community. We love you all and feel endlessly grateful to each of our listeners for joining us week after week on the road to Tarvalon. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the episode. We had been kind of talking about bubbles of evil being almost a breakdown of the magic system of the world that we're hanging out in. I definitely, because I mean, the wheel is kind of a big like symbol <laughs> in the series. I think about how there's this circle of rebirth that seems to always happen where it's like this comes from this age behind us and this comes from this age behind us. I mean, it's just like it's so much like the world that we live in where like ancient technologies have been buried for centuries but they had like a thriving civilization that worked a specific way that has left remnants of itself behind. And it's here it is with just like some hints of magic thrown into it that make it exceptionally fun to read. Like I'm thinking about my first time meeting the Finn and mm -hmm. how chilling that encounter felt, how they still like stand with me and like their weird features and the weird place that Matt ends up going to and how creepy it is. And then for them to be like, here are your cryptic answers, you know, mm -hmm. it was fun. Yeah. It always, I mean, I guess for me, it, it heavily reminded me of a Song of Ice and Fire, where Danny goes to the house of the undying. Oh. And, like, but, I mean, that's because I read A Song of mm -hmm. Ice and Fire first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so, of course. Like, I was like, oh, like, this is like, you know, like, you go into this weird structure. It's like a tower, and it's almost maze-like inside where a lot of people don't come out. Mm -hmm. Does sound and, familiar. <laughs> You have these creatures who seem kind of all-knowing and all-magical in their own way and speaking in riddles and stuff like that. But, yeah, that's just – I think, again, that's just, I think, George R.R. R. Martin, like, being inspired, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. By Robert Jordan's work. But what you were talking about earlier, I think, about – like rebirth and the ages, mm -hmm. you know, 
happening over and over again and time being cyclical like a circle Mm -hmm. yeah it just made me I didn't want to cut you off when you first brought it up but it made me think about the rhyme that's in Mm -hmm. I don't remember if it's the a prologue or an epilogue but it's the lions sing and the hills take flight, the moon by day, the sun by night, blind woman, something man, something fool, let the lord of chaos rule. And then it says like a children's poem or something, fourth age. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they like give to that saying. It's like a something that like a game or something children said or poem or something. But it's from the fourth age, mm-hmm. so like the future, and that's like recorded in one of the chapters. And I think it's so cool that like we get those little like hints within the book that like oh like if it's from the fourth age, like that we should have seen it coming, right? Like we should have <laughs> seen like that time doesn't stop if there is a fourth age, <laughs> like in the future oh yeah it's kind of interesting too how like okay well is it the fourth age like I don't know it's hard to kind of like wrap your head around like the the whole like wheel keep the wheel in the sky keeps on turning (laughs) (laughs) I'm so tired Uh, get it I feel like with the, like the wolf, the wolf connection that's pretty solid. Like, there's always that introduction when we're talking about talking with wolves in the book, where it's like the idea of this happening where it started feels really far, far, far in the past in the minds of the wolves as they share it, and so they feel like they have had this history for. A long time and it's been much more consistent and too though I mean since they're aren't they always like alive in the wolf dream after they die anyway so they're always connected it's like they're always online (laughs) (laughs) that's yeah there's never a time without the internet so I mean, unless they die in the wolf dream. So, like, the wolves are, like, always connected. And I feel like their memories last very, very long. Mm -hmm. Whereas even someone like Birgitta, when she's spit back out into the pattern, you know, and reborn or whatever, she eventually starts to kind of forget things again Mm -hmm. or doesn't remember fully. She's not always fully connected. You know what I mean? Yes. But the wolves seem to be. Mm-hmm. So I love this kind of like we are ancient type of magic. It's very cool. Yeah, it has a kind of a Native American nod to it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not in, I'm not incredibly like versed with like Native American mythology or anything. So I, I can't. Yeah, neither am I. I just agree or disagree. Yeah, I feel like I read something about it a while back and I can't really remember right now, which reminds me, I wanted to tell you how impressive it was that you remembered that children's poem. I was like, wow. <laughs> 
I just think that let the Lord of chaos rule is such an iconic line because Mm -hmm. for one, like the way that it's dropped into the story when it is at certain times and you're like, Oh God, like, Oh man. Like when Mazram, Mazram Taim says it, it's like danger, danger, alert. Danger. Yes. (laughs) And, it makes you really like when you hear it again or see it again, it makes you really think about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know this is probably it's I'm pretty sure the Dusty Wheel at one point not too long, long ago had an episode on it. But that was one that I missed. It's one that I should probably go watch because I bet it's a fun one. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that two Rand Rand kind of is the Lord of Chaos where some of the Forsaken, you know, they're under orders not to kill Rand Mm -hmm. because he's more important to them alive because they want him to join the side of the Shadow. Mm -hmm. So, like, if they can keep creating problems like what they're doing in the white tower you know manipulating and Mm -hmm. causing chaos Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it makes the world fearful for the end of the world it makes makes the world fearful for the dragon reborn and if you can keep people scared you can keep people manipulated and that's kind of like how they work you know like if the forsaken work together like they could have just taken Rand out any chance. Mm-hmm. You know, if they all got together and just used all of their our powers combined, they could have taken Rand out so easily. Mm-hmm. But this is like the, I guess, the mechanism to make sure that the story isn't over in two books. You know, like we got to keep him alive mm-hmm. for a reason and he's got Tavirin to fall back on. So there's that as well. But... They could have killed Rand, I mean, but it was much more, I don't know, maybe it was more interesting to read the book and maybe, like, hope that Rand can overcome it and win the hope and, you know, the respect from the people and be celebrated and, you know, not feared, not someone to be cowered under. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about, like, where certain Forsaken have established themselves to push that chaos. So, Gabe, uh, nope, Ravine. Gabriel is his assumed name. Ravine and Andor, mm-hmm. where he's mm-hmm. like prevented a mob, but then destabilizes the monarchy. Mm hmm. I have Samael and Ilian. Do we get a lot of what Samael is doing in Ilian? I feel like he's kind of quiet. Oh, Halima. I'm not sure if he's so quiet or if I'm not sure if he's so quiet or if I just wasn't that interested in his story. So I never really paid as much attention to him. You know what? Fair. Fair. He's just another grumbly forsaken wishing he was Luz Theron. So... It's kind of easy to just dismiss him. He's eh, one of my least favorites. 
Uh, Halima with a green. I feel she essentially does nothing. Do you think <laughs> so? Her makes headaches. Yeah, that storyline really goes nowhere. But I mean, isn't that just what happens? Like, they each insert themselves someplace. They're trying to do something, and it just it just feels really ineffectual more often than not like i'm sitting here like why i know i know literary devices we have to have a storyline it makes sense but for me thinking about it like if i really wanted to win these are the things i would do so did the dark one really even want to win like what's his hang up with wanting the Dragon Reborn on his team. Why doesn't he just knock him out? Because prophecy, Tracy. Okay. Why I don't like prophecy. Okay. I really, I really did just sit there for a moment with like this whole like, well, why? <laughs> well, I don't know too. Like I'm not so much even sure that the Dark One wants to win because isn't that like the whole like, point of the ending of Ran where like there has to be free choice for either side to get what they want Mm -hmm. you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like if everyone's just dead eyes agents of the dark one Mm -hmm. like what's the point of winning if he's like oh these are my this is my puppet creation yay right right that actually is one of the things where I'm like if the dark one wins what you as a Forsaken, like thinking about as from the point of view of Forsaken, what are you ruling over? Who who do you have power over if like everything is coming to an end? And I think that's one of the reasons why I like the way that the TV show approaches dark friends and what they're seeing, what their goal is. Like they're not looking for the destruction of the world. They're looking for destruction from what they feel to be something that's kind of like enslaved them and taken over their destiny kind of thing. It's almost like two lines of like computer code that are written to overtake the other. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If one side wins, then it's like, okay, well that happened. The other side wins. It's just like, okay, like the people are just trying to make sure that, they can end in a position where they still have free will. And I don't know, like, does the side of the light really want anything or does the side of the dark really want anything? Or are they just two different forces of nature, like that are pushing in opposite directions, you know, and the Taviran and Rand is just like, I don't know, like a dam. Like if, if one falls, then one side wins. You know what I mean? Like, it's like numbers. Numbers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, and- Which makes the story sound really boring. <laughs> but-, <laughs> but no, I think, I think that's a valid thing to, to point out. And like one of the things that I'm thinking about is how like you have kind of this light versus dark, but as we see so often... You don't have to be 
a quote-unquote agent of the dark one to do really awful shit that I would consider Mm -hmm. dark. And so, like, dark is being used as a way to enforce, reach the light, something along those lines. It's very confusing. I feel very confused by this right now. I'm thinking for next week we do the Sharans. Yeah? I mean, I've got a lot of plain time for reading. Yeah? This weekend, so... We could try it out and see if we finish it. I'd love to do that. Yeah, if you guys want to hear some... Sharon talk next week let us know that might be a fun one and I'm ready to like research topics again like I Mm -hmm. I've been missing it a little bit me too we've just been really really busy with you being here with everything that's been like on on our plates and whatnot yeah good news the wedding was great it was (laughs) nice it was small it was a lot of fun and, yeah, I've only got a few more days here. That's just wild. In the good old U.S. of A. Mm. <laughs> and then you'll be back home. Back, back, back again. Mm-hmm. We'll just have to come, we'll just have to come visit you. Record there. Yeah, sure, why not? Come on down. Is that for everyone or just me? oh i mean that's just for you i guess cool i don't know how many of our i don't know how many of our hundreds of listeners i want to know exactly let them know where i live right right or host host i love i love you but i am a little bit of a private person sometimes Mm -hmm. yeah Oh, actually, not too far back from this. I wanted to, you had been talking about Brigida and memory, like how when she's pulled from Teleron Rio, she's like slowly losing the memory of what her life was before that had happened, which of course has its own uh, repercussions. How much does she remember that's not a part of her life in a way. Because, like, with the wolves, it seems, like, all connected, and Brigitte is spun out and then brought back and then spun out again. Does she remember all the way back? Like, every life? Yeah. Like, while she's in Teleron Rio, not while she's, like, spun out in human form. While she's in Teleron Rio, I think she remembers, like, many, but not all. Because if she's constantly being spun out, like, how many lives has she lived? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, how much can one person actually remember to the point where everything just kind of fades together? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, think of, that would be, like, telling someone like do you think that they've remembered every dream that they've ever had like I just don't think that that's possible 
That's actually a really good point. It's just too numerous. Well, and the other thing, like, she's one person versus, like, however many multitudes of wolves are hanging around in Teleronrio to be able to kind of continue their storyline. Well, yeah, the wolves almost have, like, a hive mind to where, like, they have a shared remembrance. Where Brigida is just, she's just remembering her, her lives, not the lives of others. She's, she's just one person. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I do. Who knows what the, the Finn know. That would be such a, that would be such a fun, fun, fun topic to get into Robert Jordan's notes to see like what. Oh my god. If he was gosh. going anywhere like further with these characters, these creatures, because that would be really cool. And two, I would like to know more about the Okir, like where they're from, what their home planet or world or celestial body, wherever the hell they come from, because that's just fun. Mm-hmm. I love the Ogier so much. Mm-hmm. Um with the Finn. What I always wondered was, like, is it just this one group that is on whatever planet, plane of existence they exist on? Because, like, everything seems to happen in the tower when it comes from, like, our our perspective. So are there, like, are there Finn blacksmiths? Are there Finn leather workers and farmers and like do they just feed entirely on the saver like what what is the structure of the world that they belong to i wonder if he ever wrote anything about that (laughs) Uh, i don't know but i mean it almost feels like they're confined to one place for a reason right like okay yeah like they're almost all powerful to a to a point where it's like they have to have some type of barrier otherwise i mean can you imagine if like just one of the finn got out like all of the chaos that they could create oh the finn are the real lord of chaos that's the <laughs> that's why it's a fourth age children's poem <laughs> everything that's a game is attached to the finn mhm Oh, that's a really, really, really good point. You know, like the Tower of Genji is just like the doggy door. (laughs) (laughs) And someone's left it locked. I mean, there are those restrictions for anybody going in, you know? Yeah. Is it possible that those restrictions are like, to keep the tower from falling and like an escape mm-hmm. from happening. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm liking these theories, Tracy. I like this one a lot. It's like an electrical fence. <laughs> one of those like shock dog collars on the extreme. Mm-hmm. 
But I mean, that would also yeah. be really interesting too, because like, would that mean like the Tower of Genji was then like across all the worlds, if you will, like all of the mirror worlds as well? And would that mean that like on whatever world is actually theirs, they would be confined there too? Because when we're we're in the tower, we see out the windows. So maybe there's an entirely different group of whatever's on that planet or maybe there's nothing so that in the event that any of them get out they can't contaminate anything anyone do anything or they've already savored all that there is left to (laughs) savor and went out and about trying to find new places to snack (laughs) oh oh snacky finn snacky finn Nobody wants a snacky fin. Oh, my gosh. And baby, like, that's the, I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, maybe that was, like, a type of a deal. You know, like, we'll allow certain people to come in on their own free will, but we're going to make, like, stipulations where it's going to be super dangerous. So, like, if this person is ballsy enough, they're going to come in and want their answers or whatever, but then you'll have a chance of, you know, feeding yourself. Hmm. As a way so that they just don't all die out, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm also thinking when... We have the the rescue for Lanfear and the rescue for Moraine. Mm-hmm. It seems as though they may not be the only two people who are being kept as like living snack machines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what a weird way to think about a human being. Um so maybe there are like several other places that are that are like that, that are like kind of emergency stores, if that makes sense. Yeah, but that's not the only thing that they feed on, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like they take Matt's eye, like it's not just channelers that Mm. Mm -hmm. feeds them you know Mm -hmm. yeah they definitely always seem to be on the verge of starving though like in their interactions and the way that they they behave especially a little bit yeah a little desperation there yes (laughs) yes like you're immediately kind of like creeped out by how deeply that one fin is like inhaling around matt like take it easy there guy yeah. I think, too, like, we don't know if the Finn were created, like, if they are some type of hybrid themselves, because they are, like, humanoid. Mm-hmm. Are they a... But are we don't know. An Agonor creation gone wrong? Even he doesn't want to admit know. to it? like... I don't feel like it was an Agonor creation. It does seem a bit extensive for that. Yeah, because there are things that Agonor created that even some of the Forsaken are like, 
I feel like they know. Like, they all knew each other. So it's like they would mention, like, oh, mm. Agamemnon really <laughs> screwed up with that one. We had to make this tower. Yeah. Like the golem. Mm. I believe it was a golem. They only allowed, like, a few, a certain amount because they're just, like, too powerful where it's like, yeah, those are freaky even for us. Yeah. Those golem. Creepy. Honestly, I'm I'm not a – like, the the whole Abu Dar thing and the Bowl of the Winds, not my favorite storyline, but I do like the golem. Mm-hmm. Like, I do want that. I don't know how – I don't know how you would really do a golem like CGI. Like I don't have mm. a very concrete vision in my head what that would look like. Mm-hmm. So like even if I saw it on TV, I don't know if I would be like, oh yeah, that's the golem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I mean that would that would make sense because I even in their, I guess human-esque form weren't they fairly like nondescript mm-hmm. i think that's the gray men okay i was i was actually just thinking are they like, like a, so normal and boring looking everybody looks past no one them. pays them any attention until they're dead yeah. and then you can see them again what a weird thing i was actually wondering if i had the the two of them confused I mean, the Gollum are just like, well, they're pretty gross. I mean, they like, they feed on like real life bodies. Yeah. Not too different than the Finn. Like they think they need fresh, it was it fresh blood, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's why all the victims are like. Drained. Almost, yeah, vampiric. Mm-hmm. Like, but you can't kill them. You have to, like, even if you chop them up, they, their little bits, like, wiggle back together. So creepy. <laughs> I don't know. Like, they, they're they superhuman, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really strong. Yeah. They might also be, like, very boring looking. Like, they just look like a man. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, you know, if... If they do put a golem in the TV show, it might be cool because it it could just look like any person. And you're like, oh, God, what is this person doing murdering people? Oh, my God. Oh, the gore. What is going on? <laughs> and then, like, someone, like, chopping its leg off and it just kind of, like, <laughs> like going back together. And people being like, what? <laughs> what is going on here? And it, it could be kind of confusing, you know, unless you get like a big info dump somewhere about it. Mm-hmm. And then it's not really as surprising anymore. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, there aren't, they aren't really introduced until a little bit later. And I kind of feel like they might get chopped, truth be told, like from the show. Mm-hmm. I just I'm trying to think of like places where they were necessary to push the storyline along where they couldn't be replaced by something less technical. Like even the Gray Men would be a potentially successful replacement for a golem depending on how it gets used. Cause I'm trying to think in the books, do we ever get 
a successful gray man assassination? No, I don't know. But like, that's the thing. Like, there's all of these creepy crawlies. And I, of course, my immediate reaction is like, give them all. Like, I would like all of them to get screen time. Mm -hmm. But we haven't had one measly Drakkar yet. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. They're probably realizing that the Murdral look a bit like a Drakkar. And they're going to have to really think about the design now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the Murdral look great. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they, they did a really good job. Mm-hmm. But they can't fly, so. <laughs> Lame. <laughs> no Jumara. See, for the lack of shadow spawn that we have been given, mm-hmm. they need to make up for it in Shan Chen creatures. Ooh, yes. Yes, please. That would be really fun. And I mean, like, let's be honest here. The Rockin and Rockin are basically like dinosaurs. Yeah. They're not dragons to me. They are like those what is it? The Ter- Petrosaurs from Jurassic Park? Yeah. Like they're just big flying uh-huh. things. Yeah. And they're very, very big. Uh-huh. And those are pretty, like, nightmarish. Love them. Mm-hmm. Especially if really they... I just love Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember which version it is, but it's like, they're like, what is that? Where are we? And he's like, oh, my God. Oh, no. We're in a cage. We're in the aviary. We're in, a cage. We're in the cage. Get out. <laughs> Get out. And it's like this like shadowy like spiny creature Mm -hmm. comes lumbering in and you're like run Mm -hmm. oh that would be so cool to see it would be really nice for them to yeah to like take more of a dinosaur direction than a dragon direction and have like i'm right i'm thinking of like those little teeny tiny teeth that those particular dinosaurs i mean i think teeny tiny they're not really like compared to like a t-rex tiny but they have like just this huge row of these sharp pointy teeth they have like i think they have a uh, a fossil of it or something at the field museum in chicago and i don't know why i'm always like those teeth creepy they actually they actually have at the field museum i'm pretty sure a um life-size what you know, Mm -hmm. what we think that they could look like. I think it's called, it's a petrosaur. Um, But they're, they're huge. Mm -hmm. Like they're the, the biggest flying creature, creature of any time. And the way that, is it the, which one's the big one? The rockin? Mm -hmm. The rockin is the bigger yeah, it's saying, like, how, like, lumbering they are mm-hmm. and how hard it is for them to, like, get up off the ground. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of, like, not very swift, I guess. Not very nimble. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how these Petras are where they're, you know, like, they think that maybe they just had to drop off of something high up to actually even, like, get enough momentum to, like, fly. It's just kind of cool. Yeah. Sorry, I like big, weird creatures. Welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> that's, that's the applause for your TED Talk, just so you know. See, this is where we need, like, a 
And applause. There you go. The there you board. go, Aiden. Applause for some the soundboard and some cheering. That sounds good too. I like that. I'm. I actually am thinking about like how to visually introduce those creatures from the Shantan. <gasps> I have an idea. Oh, please, please. I have an idea. Please. Could you imagine if Bale Doman is out on a foggy oh my sea where there's very little visibility and the boat just like lurches and you just see, because they're so big, you just see like feet, you know, because it's so foggy. There's like very little visibility. So you can only see like what's really, really close. And it's just like the feet mm -hmm. because they're huge. And people screaming and running and the boat rocking around because those things are heavy. And then it starts flapping its wings, trying to take off again. Mm -hmm. That would be creepy. I like it. And then, too... It didn't have. It wouldn't even have to be Bill Doman. It could just be like any ship, and Bill Doman, like later on, hearing word that ships are going missing. Mm -hmm. and yeah. Mm. I like it. That also like kind of help with the CG budget too. You know, thinking about it in a practical fog. term. Just introduce fog. Yeah, just introduce, <laughs> just just a fog machine, guys. That's the whole budget this season. We're doing <laughs> We're doing everything with a fog machine. And mirrors. <laughs> All of season two. Uh, every single time someone walks in and out of the waves, it's just like <laughs> fog. fog. All the fog. Mm -hmm. Billows and billows mm -hmm. of fog. I love that. I think too, though. Like, I, I really, I really want to grom. Like, just of course, give me a great groming, please. <laughs> I am more excited about Sean Chen creatures than I am the plot line. This is how easy I am to please. I, I love that. Amazon though. Prime, just <laughs> you can write. You can write the storyline, just whatever you want. This is their past. Don't even care. This is their past. Yeah. But you better give me some damn good creatures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it, it, I feel like it really makes things stand out. Mm -hmm. And then again, if they're almost like some of the things are almost like dinosaur-esque, mm -hmm. it again would be like, what is going on? Like, are we the, is this the future? Is this the past? Like, mm -hmm. it's confusing. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Yeah. It's unexpected too. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I like about the, the creatures that we have in Wheel of Time. I feel like they are not the traditional expected creatures. Like, I still have problems kind of mentally visualizing some of the creatures that get described in the series. So I'm, I think that that's spectacularly well done. I like to be surprised in that way and to kind of, like, scratch my head. But the Shantan definitely brings, mm -hmm. like, the mother load for creatures that are not, like directly being used the creature by... feature yeah yeah they have the low par they have the grom um 
the Rockin, toe rockin'. Uh huh. Shredda is just an elephant, which is kind of like womp womp, but 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 they could make them more like mammoth like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like battle mammoth <laughs> creatures, elephant like creatures. Yeah. That don't slip That's too like far the- into Lord of the Rings, though. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Like, a lot of people, I think a lot of people forget, like, how majestic, like, our real world, like, elephants used to look like. Uh Like, the, I can't remember exactly what they're called, but they're, like, the the elephants with the giant tusks Mm -hmm. because those all have been, like, poached into obscurity, so... What we have left now is like mm-hmm. elephants with maybe itty bitty tusks, you know, and like there used to be ones where they were just giant and that was totally normal, but they've been like hunted out of existence. So it's like even things that are, you know, real for our world, mm-hmm. it's it's not hard to make things look mm-hmm. fantastical even by our own, like, short memories here in our time. And I guess, Amber, I'm just going to – I'm talking to myself now. Tone it down. You're just going to start talking (laughs) about animals and creatures for, like, an hour and a half. Like, rein it in. You know what, though? (laughs) Rein it in. (laughs) It was was funny because as you were talking about that, like, I feel as though my brain has been adjusted to think about one kind of elephant. Like, our – Gray elephant. Not that they're not cool. Elephants are cool. But then, like, when you were talking about, like, the elephants, they are a specific... I can't remember. But, like, that image... I think they're called, like, tusker elephants. Like, tusker. The big tuskers. Yeah. And, like, aren't they, like, darker in color, too? Like, I feel darker, like, grayish, almost blackish in color, even. But, like, I feel like their ears are no. shaped a bit differently. Were they gray, too? No. no, they just look like regular, regular elephants. I mean, they can be kind of, like, almost, like, ruddy colored. But, okay. like, their their tusks are just so big that, like, they almost have to, like, hold their head up so they're not scraping the ground. Yeah. Would you like me to send you a photo in chat? Yeah. <laughs> of, a, of a great... Of a giant tusker elephant. Yeah, that would be okay. great. It's gonna happen. Well, I mean, we have that section too in the in the books where there's like a either an elephant or a mammoth um, set of bones in the pal- Panarch's palace. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right? what I was thinking of. Yeah. But if you like open that up and even like scroll through, like that's just like one like. I think there's maybe like a handful, like maybe 10 of these elephants left wow. with like the giant tusks and they're just so freaking majestic. And I mean, it wouldn't be hard. Like if you had something like that, people would be like, oh, wow, like that's an interesting take on an elephant mm-hmm. and not even realize that those are like real creatures that actually existed in our timeline. Mm-hmm. Like not, not something that's ancient, like. From the era of the mammoth or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
I am scrolling through these pictures now. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. <sighs> we need to be taking better care of our world. <laughs> right? You don't want to end up with some fourth age sad elephants, people. Right? <laughs> Do it for the shred it. <laughs> Uh, before they're just a memory. Legends fade to myth, Tracy. Oh, God. <laughs> I think that's where we should end it, I to be honest. I agree with you. I don't think it's going to get any better than that for a wrap-up point. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.